Arrow premiered on the CW Network on October 12, 2012. Initially, I wasn't a fan. For me, it was too soon to release a Green Arrow TV show that had nothing to do with Justin Hartley. The actor that I come to know as Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow, my Green Arrow, on the hit show Smallville, which had just ended the year before. So when I watched the episode for the very first time, I immediately thought I wasn't going to like this. Too much backstory of a new character and a new actor that I had knew nothing about. I took a pass on it. In 2012, I took a pass on almost everything, actually. I was still dealing with being fired from a job that I was at for eight years and was still dealing with depression. So instead, I went back to watching comfort shows. Everything that I watched before, I watched them again. Smallville, Buffy, Angel, Glee, One Tree Hill. Until I decided it was time to watch new shows that had already ended their first season run and found out they got a second season. Teen Wolf, Elementary, Baby Daddy, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Yeah, those. Arrow, on the other hand, again, passed. Okay, maybe not. Maybe I decided to give it a little go when I found out Grant Gustin from the show Glee was going to play Barry Allen on Arrow. Yes, The Flash, the fastest man alive. Smallville didn't start adding their hero guests until later in the season, so I thought this was too soon, perhaps? This guy Arrow already wanted to build his Justice League, and yet I still haven't seen a Supergirl or a Superman yet. And then I was told to watch the show. I wanted to watch that episode that Barry is going to be in, so I figured let's start from the beginning. Uh, when I tell you that I was bored from the first season, they made this guy out to be Batman for some reason. Well, in my eyes. I gave it a chance anyways. Still looked up to see what else this guy played and I haven't seen him in anything since. Fast forward to when The Flash gets greenlit his own show. I'm on board from the start. I guess this makes me a fan of the Arrowverse. I hated that term. Who was this guy, Stephen Amell, and why was he all over my superhero screens, and where is my other arrow? My other arrow, Justin Harley, will soon get star in a lot of shows that since been canceled. A long-running soap opera, some voice acting from some of my favorite shows and DC movies, and finally will show up on my screen again in 2016 on This Is Us. Initially, when I first saw that, Hey, it's Arrow. But this isn't us. This is 2023. And this was last week. From an article on CNN, Stephen Amell is clarifying his comments about the current actor strike. Amell, who came to fame on Arrow and is currently starring on Heels on Stars, was asked about the actor strike over the weekend during an appearance at Galaxicon in Raleigh, North Carolina. I support my union. I do, and I stand with them, he says, uh, in a video shared on social media. But I do not support striking. I don't. He added, I think that is a reductive negotiating tactic, and I find the entire thing incredibly frustrating. And I think that the thinking, as it pertains to shows, like the show that I'm on that premiered last night, heals, I think it's myopic. Amel subsequently clarified his remarks in a statement shared on Instagram last Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. Understandably, there has been a lot of reaction to the comments I made this weekend about our strike, his post began. To ensure there is no misunderstanding about my thoughts and intentions, I'm providing what I actually said in clarity context to ensure my feelings aren't unintentionally misinterpreted. We all know sound bites can be taken out of context. And I have too much respect for my fellow union members to not clarify the record. Amel then further explains his position on the strike. I understand fundamentally why we're here. My off-the-cuff use of the word support is clearly contradictory to my true feelings and my empathetic statement that I stand with my union, he wrote. Of course, I don't like striking. Nobody does, but we have to do what we have to do. In terms of referring to the strike as a reductive negotiating tactic he found frustrating, Amel wrote, I emote, 
but I certainly don't think these issues are simple. Our leadership has an incredibly complicated job, and I'm grateful for all that they do. His statement continued. From intellectual perspective, I understand why we are striking, but that doesn't mean it isn't emotionally frustrating on many levels for all involved. SAGFTRA represents about 160,000 currently on strike against major film and television studios over contract terms related to compensation, artificial intelligence protections, and other issues. The strike commenced on July 14th. Writers in the industry have been on strike since May 2. CNN has reached out to representatives for SAG-AFTRA and a mail for further comment. Welcome. This is from Under the Apron. I had to. I know. I was talking about This Is Us a little while ago. Great show. Check that one out. I saw the tweets everyone made. They hate the guy now, but I love the heel show. So I'm going to continue to talk about the show, but not about the guy. Kind of like respect the art and not the artist. On a little positive note, though, I went to go to check what the cast of Arrow is doing now, and I couldn't even make it past the girl that played Felicity Smoke, Emily Beth Records. I liked her on the show, so I had to check what she's into now. And turns out she is set to star in a movie alongside the wrestlers, Charlotte Flair and Lib Morgan. What what it says here? The feature is based on the 2009 book Queen of the Ring: Sex, Muscles, Diamonds, and the Making of an American Legend by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Jeff Lean. Paradise City writer Ash Avelson is on board to re- write and direct the feature with Amy Schuf, Missing in America, and Ethan Robbins, Tesla, executive producing. Legendary wrestling announcer Jim Ross is working behind the scenes on the film as well. Queen of the Ring is a, biograph- is a biography about the iconic Mildred Burke, who Rickards will portray in the film, the longest reigning champion of female wrestling. The story follows just how petite Miss Westerner used her beauty and brawn to dominate America's most masculine sport from the mid-1930s to the mid-1950s. Charlotte Flair and Lib Morgan will portray fellow wrestlers June Byers and Clara Mortensen, respectively. So, full circle re- Cinema reported that in May of this year, so I went to IMDb to check out the cast, and this is what I found out. Lib will no longer be playing Mortensen. Instead, it will now be AEW wrestler Tony Storm, and I couldn't find anything on June Byers or if Charlotte Player is still in the movie. Others to be in the roles, of course, are Josh Lucas, who will play Billy Wolf, Adam Demo, who will play Gorgeous George, Francesca Eastwood will play a younger version of Mae Young. Marie Agaropoulos, who played Octavia on the hit TV show The 100, will play Elvira Snodgrass. Damaris Lewis will play Babs Wingo. Ash Wilson will play Vince McMahon Sr. Jim Cornette will play an NWA commissioner. And last but not least, Trinity Fatu, also known as Naomi NWE, will play Ethel Johnson. Hey, welcome to the Sweet Life Pod, the show where we create special moments with special people. I'm your host, Sakari Masters. In the Sweet Life Pod, we'll be discussing individuality, peace of mind, and how to attain and uphold meaningful relationships. If this sounds fitting, then follow the Sweet Life Pod on Spotify now. Thank you. Movies and feelings. Pop pop. Bring your own popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. 
Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring your own popcorn. Before we begin, as always, follow us on our socials to support us. From Under the Apron on Instagram, Spotify, and YouTube on the threads as well. Apron underscore stories on the app formerly known as Twitter X. More info on the links on where you can listen or watch in the show notes. Listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or any audio media you can listen to a podcast on. Make sure to rate us and leave us a review. And if you feel, you feel, you have this little feeling, if you feel you want to do a little bit more, support us on the Patreon. Become a top-tier patron. And I'll shout you out at the end of every episode. Go to patreon.com forward slash from under the apron podcast for more information on that. The link will be in the show notes. Alright, so Heels Season 1, Episode 4, Cutting Promos. Uh, cutting promos means performing the talking segments of a wrestling event as opposed to the wrestling itself, with promo being short for promotion. It aired on September 5th, 2021, directed by Jessica Lowry, again written by Daria Boddington. The synopsis of the show, after a house fire forces Jack and his family to move in with Carol and Ace, the two brothers put their differences aside and their heads together to generate a DWL promo to further grow the league's fan base. So, let's start with what happened. <laughs> um, so, at the end of the episode, last week's episode, you heard the commotion that was going on with Wild Bill. Um, he went to uh, Willie and told her... Like, he fucked up. Um, you saw videos. It went viral of what he did. Uh, you saw voice messages of him telling Willie. Not even him telling Willie, but the fact that he was arguing while stuff was going on. So here, we start off with this. Days ago, Wild Bill attends a board meeting to discuss the new redesigned title belt. One of the young execs is holding a title belt that glows and says they are still waiting for the boss to sign off and the redesigned logo, which will go in the center. He explains that if fans sit in nosebleed seats, the current belts are really hard to see, but this revised and improvised title belt is highly visible. Another young exec tells them the dynamic redesigned lands them in premium placement in stores toy stores no less bill isn't impressed as the belt now resembles a kid's toy adding that if it needs sound effects make it beep and boop and shit the young exec sticks on board and says it's perfect kids will love playing with it even more bill puts his cup of coffee down and tell everyone that yes that's all it is a toy a toy he fractured his skull for, a toy he got two knee replacements for, a toy he watched a lot of friends die in a effing gutter, chasing it down. He scares the young exec and his boss, Maria Savetto, played by Sharon Connolly, tells him to please remember, this is an office and not a ring. Bill tells Maria that this is all a ring. Maria whispers to Bill that as a former champion, they need him to get behind it. Bill says this belt looks like a piece of shit. However, he will reluctantly endorse the belt as it's what the company asks of him. They all leave the conference room and while Bill stares at a glowing belt. After the meeting, he catches a plane to Cleveland. During the flight, he becomes so intoxicated with six tiny bottles of old-fashioned. He gets up to grab his luggage from the overhead and takes it to the bathroom, grabbing maybe six or more tiny bottles of old passion. He walks inside the bathroom, and possibly minutes later, he is checked up on by a steward. He asks the bathroom. He exits the bathroom naked with nothing more than a hat on his head, his robe, and the glowing belt around his waist for the other flyers to record as he's yelling and screaming. This is what he thinks of their toy belt, you corporate cunt. He continues to go to the back of the plane naked while the stewardess gets on the phone and calls for an air marshal. This scene actually happened in real life. For those that know where this is going, 
Yes, I'm going there. For those that are new here, either you've seen this play out in documentary form on Dark Slattering or just heard of it throughout the year. This is taken from the Wrestling Wikipedia site. On May 5th, 2002, a number of WWE wrestlers and management members flew from Great Britain to the United States following the end of a European tour, which concluded with a British pay-per-view event, Insurrection 2002. On the now infamous flight dubbed The Plane Ride from Hell, there were a number of incidents involving WWE management and wrestlers that were later attributed to the heavy drinking on the flight, partially because the flight was delayed for an hour before takeoff. This part of the incident Wild Bill exposing himself to everybody in the plane is similar to that of what Nature Boy Ric Flair did. The 16-time world champion allegedly disrobed during the flight and then re-robed with nothing on underneath. Flair would go on to be named in a sexual harassment lawsuit from sport jet flight attendants after costing, accosting two female flight attendants while partially nude. Present day, Jack rushes to Thomas' room at the sound of the smoke detector, one of Thomas' outlets have caught fire and it quickly spreads, forcing Stacy and Thomas to leave the house as Jack extinguishes the flame. Meanwhile, Bill has been staying with Willie ever since the plane incident. Willie's husband, Ted, played by Larry Clark, prepares pancakes for breakfast, where Wild Bill shows them the viral video of himself on the plane with his natural blessing out for everyone to see. They are joined by Willie's daughter Robin, played by Margaret Morris, real-life daughter of Mary McCormick, who asks if he left anything for breakfast for her, and he laughs. Ted asks what the casualty would Bill suspension or a fine. Bill says Boss Lady just wants him to lay low until she sorts things out. Ted says he imagines post 9-11. He has some U.S. Marshal issues here. Bill makes fun of Ted's usage of post-9-11 being a timely reference, and why not just say post-Watergate or post-Berlin Wall? While Bill says the only thing he did was raid a beverage cart, and his viral video put the league back in the spotlight. Bad publicity is good publicity. Willie chimes in with, but calling your boss the C-word is not so much. Robin joins in on the conversation and asks if the C-word, the cock word, or the cunt word. Both Willie and De Ted reprimand Robin saying they say the C word because it's impolite to say the actual word. Wild Bill explains to Robin that both C words are actual representation of his bosses who are corporate assholes who constantly dismiss the input of Mavericks like himself. Icons who built a global enterprise and who now must watch it be destroyed by ruthless lust for money. Cock word and cunt word, a lot of them. Ted is, Ted is in the background groaning like this man has been in his home for five minutes he's already frustrated with him. Bill tells Robin don't be afraid of words or people. Uh, the fire department reveals that the squirrels chewed through the house wiring, which will cost more than they have to repair. With no type of emergency cushion, Stacy is contemplating getting a job, but Jack asks that she hold off as he has a meeting with Eddie Earl, who could be potentially invested interested in investing the DWL. In the meantime, they'll be staying with Mama Carol. At the Dome, Rooster, Apocalypse, and Diego are playing cards and discussing bedroom habits whilst Crystal cuts Bobby Pin's hair into a mullet. He questions if Ace ever said sorry for what he said to Crystal the other night, but he isn't the sorry type, Crystal replies. When she finishes his cut, Diego steps up and asks her if she could cut his hair, but he's short on cash, but he says he has this $20 gift card for TGI Fridays. Bobby asks Crystal to stop by his trailer before she leaves, as he has something to run by her. The boys make fun of Bobby trying to run game on Crystal. He leaves, and Diego asks if Crystal thinks that Bobby has lice. He don't trust that mullet. Crystal asks Diego what about that beard of his. As promised, Crystal stops by baby Bobby's trailer, which he got from his grandfather. Bobby reveals that he likes to write, mostly rap lyrics. B also started four graphic novels. He then looks to Crystal for answers on who is Bobby Pin, meaning he hardly understands his own character. Willie wants to continue his story with Ace, but she says that his gimmick sucks, so he wants Crystal's help with generating a new gimmick. 
one he can inhibit. Crystal corrects him by saying inhabit. Bobby doesn't know the difference, so Crystal tells him the definition. One prevents you from doing the thing that you want, inhibit. The other, you become the thing you want, inhabit. Bobby says English is an amazing language, while Crystal laughs and says she does crossword puzzles. Bobby tells Crystal he's insecure about his ideas, and if he tells Jack, then Jack is not going to give him a push. Crystal tells him not to overthink about Jack or will or won't do. Bobby asks Crystal to help him think of something badass, and he's asking her because he thinks she's badass and people respect her. He plays her new song he's been working on, but she isn't convinced that the rap route is right for Bobby. Oh, come on. Don't tell me you forgot his entrance music already. Don't worry. He made a remix. Here it is. Uh, well, this is it. I'm Lisa and I'm Dawn and if you've ever watched a TV show and thought to yourself oh my god that season finale plot twist was absolutely bonkers or seen a movie and thought wow I need to talk to somebody about this train wreck immediately then we think you'll fit right in with our podcast I hate it let's watch it we watch TV shows like Riverdale and Emily in Paris and movies like Deep Water, Killer Sofa, Rubber and Deadly Illusions and we give them the total rinse they deserve it's basically group therapy for movie masochists so come check us out wherever you stream podcasts Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Next scene, Jack and Willie approach Eddie and Annie Earl with a PowerPoint in hopes that he'll continue to sponsor them with more money. However, Eddie doesn't feel as though investing further would be wise. Supporting the DWO is good for his pawn shop, but it doesn't help with his secondhand car business, which could use the growth. But the DWL doesn't have it to reach. His biggest problem is in the name. Every show is a house show and no one outside of Duffy cares. The DWL has little to no chance of expanding. Jack is enraged after the meeting, but Willie calms him and prevents Jack's feeling from getting the better him. Their only chance is to prove Eddie wrong. In the meantime, Willie tells Jack to worry about his fire fiasco while she deals with Bill, who she used to be in a relationship with. Things didn't end well between Willie and Bill, so hopefully her allowing him to stay is a way to move past it. And with Bill down on his luck, he may be willing to promote to WL, though Jack wants nothing to do with him. Next scene, Wild Bill calls his manager. I didn't hear her name, so I went to go look it up. It is Paula Portis, who is being played by Carrie O'Malley, wife of Michael O'Malley, who plays Charlie Gully on this show. Paula is at the dentist and tells him to play nice until renegotiations are done. He tells her she's his manager. He gave her something to manage. She asks him if she wants her to manage his dick and how to keep it in his pants. She warns him that his behavior is toxic and that he needs to go to rehab. It's a legitimate gesture that they may respond to with some compassion. Wild Bill is to do nothing until she says otherwise. They hang up, but a little extra funny on Paula's part as she tells the dental nurse. Is that what they're called? Nurse? Dental assistant? Dental nurse? Alright. Paula tells her she knows it's a dental cleaning, but can she also get some laughing gas? The dental technician stops what she's doing and gives Paula this weird stare. Next scene is the Piggly Wiggly Shopping Center. Yes. It's called the Piggly Wiggly. Stacy, Carol, and Thomas go grocery shopping and discuss the possibility of Stacy getting a job, which Carol never considered as she was constantly designing, cutting, and sewing wrestling costumes for her husband and boys, who she dedicated her entire life to. 
It's the life of a mom, so she thought. Stacy questions why Carol never worked. Carol explains that raising kids is a full-time job if you're doing it right. And if anyone agree, disagrees with her, then they are wrong. She says she thought she would be living elsewhere, but things turned out differently. Before the scene ends, Carol asks Stacy to grab a bag of Pillsbury flour, but Stacy says she has a coupon for another kind of flour. Carol reacts just like any senior citizen would. At this stage of her life, she finds something that works for her and she sticks with it, so Pillsbury for her. Stacy smiles at her son and grabs a Pillsbury flour bag. Uh, next scene, Crystal sketches a picture of what she believes could be Bobby's new costume. His new name should be Bobby85, as he already has the mullet to match. The 85 refers to the golden age of wrestling, when wrestlers had wild, long hair, and more importantly, mullets. Crystal tells him it's nostalgia. People want to remember how good shit used to be, and that is what Bobby85 would represent. Bobby says he may need to stop eating too much because Crystal drew his abs a little too good. Crystal assures him he looks good. They high-five. Uh, I love this innocent little flirty thing they have going. It's innocent. It really is innocent. Um, especially after the last episode where Ace just pushed her off and treated her like shit. So Bobby is trying to like look for a friend. He's not from around Buffy. You heard him in his little... Um, Entrance music. He's from Texas. <laughs> Ace heads to the bar where he visits an old friend, Trisha, who works there as a bartender. Trisha, played by Elizabeth Posey, who's been on oh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Euphoria. And it's also the cousin of one Tyler Posey, who you know him best as Scott McCall on the hit TV show Teen Wolf. And we're going full circle here. And, you know, wrestling has more than one royal family. And so does Hollywood. Trisha, who's looking like a hot-ass smoke show, wearing short shorts and what looks like a bandana around her chest. A red bandana-looking strappy top. What do y'all call that, lady? Uh, okay. Her and Ace flirt for a minute, gets him a beer and 24 wings, and tells him that Bill is boozing and blowing Oxy in the bathroom. Ace doesn't want to take chances, so he asks Trisha for those wings to go. She tells him that she gets off in an hour if he wants to stick around and flirt with her some more, and they can hang out after. Ace doesn't know what to do. Bill then joins Ace at the bar, claiming that he's only in town for a little while until heading back to headquarters. Ace tells Bill that everyone saw his video. Bill says it helped build his brand. Just ask the smoke show over there who've probably seen it. Trisha quickly turns around and quips that he needs... A shape, a trim down there. He says they don't call him Wild Bill for nothing. He got untamed pubes and it. I can't with this guy. Trisha laughs and walks away. Bill turns to Ace and tells him he would eat a mile of her shit just to lick where it came out. Oh my god. <laughs> Even Ace is uncomfortable. He asks how long uh, Bill is in town for. Bill says any day now headquarters will call him and ask him to come back up and get a new assignment. Ace intends to leave, but while Bill convinces him to stay and play pool against two other patrons, during which Bill messes up his shot and the two other players begin to chuckle. Bill asks if he wants to know the trick. Ace asks to what? Bill then goes on a tangent. Every day, a hundred things happen to make me want to spit. Fucking people and all their bullshit. Their untested manhood. It makes me want to step on a frog, hear crunch and ooze. No time for a final feeble ribbit. The regular folks, they got the lot of shit that go. Puke out the black flies. But I use it. I soak it up. That's my superpower. He then takes off his dress shirt, tells Ace to pay attention as he goes over to instigate a fight with the opposing players to prove the point to Ace that he's the best at what he does. He believes that it's an Ace too, the same as Tom. Should Ace find a way to tap into that, Wild Bill promised him that riches will flow. I kind of think I have an idea why Tom did what he did. He was not such a nice guy outside the ring to other people, but when he got into the ring, he was the best heel or face. It was like a superpower. He tapped into it, 
Bill mentioned something in this scene that him and Tom would do hustle the patrons and make them feel bad like Bill just did. So maybe he was done with that. That's where the mental health problem persisted. He was a shitty father to Ace when he was young, but good to everyone in their faces and then an asshole again, like in that first episode when Ace told that girl that Tom said she probably ate the dog. I don't think he wanted to be an asshole anymore because Ace is having such a hard time tapping into that supposed superpower. How much of it did Tom tap into and how much of it is Jack tapping into it? Later that night, Ace arrived home to find Jack, Stacy, Thomas, and Carol awaiting his arrival to have dinner. They form a prayer circle and Thomas does the prayer. When Thomas ends the prayer with blessing his grandpa's spade, Carol informs him that Tom is in hell, which is where people who kill themselves go. Jack and Ace then excuse themselves that they're no longer hungry after Carol's tangent, which Stacy was forced to end. Crystal and Bobby go for ice cream, and Bobby thanks her for helping him come up with a new gimmick. He tells her about his parents and how they wanted him to stay the course, and he jokingly tells her that sometimes he wished life was like Mario Kart, where you can see the map of the course in the corner, and this way he can see where he's going. From that metaphor alone, Crystal reveals she would always play as Toad, and Bobby reveals he would always play as Diddy Kong. Not gonna lie, I was a big Bowser fan. If you're going to be an asshole and throw blue shells anyways, might as well do it as Bowser. What was your character? Who did you always play as in the Mario Kart Racing? Bobby thinks... Bobby thanks Crystal once again for helping him. She admits when Bobby asked her to come to his trailer, she thought he was going to make a move on her. He says the only move he can do is to moonwalk. Two kids then run up and ask for a photo with Bobby. They ask for one with Cresta also, but she tells them she can do it at the dome. And then she watches as Bobby takes a selfie, doing big muscle poses with them and laughing along. Crystal remarks that he's going to be a great face, whereas Ace, on their hand, wasn't so good with turning on a smile. Ace has given up his room to Thomas, who can't sleep. As he's thinking about what his grandma said about Grandpa Spade being on fire, Ace comforts Thomas, telling him that Grandpa Ace isn't on fire and that no one knows what happens after death. Thomas tells Ace that Grandma said it's in the Bible. Ace tells Thomas that she should reread it. Thomas asks Ace if he should tell her that. Ace says absolutely not. A good idea. In the future, he advises Thomas to just nod whenever someone says that they do know, as it's a way to end the conversation that he doesn't want to be keep having. Thomas has asked, then asks who cleaned up Grandpa Spade after he was found. Ace reveals that Jack did, and that he did a good job. Thomas asks if Jack cried when he cleaned him up. Ace says he was with Grandma and that she's still sad. Thomas says that she seems mad. Ace then tells Thomas that sometimes that's the way sad comes out. He goes on to say that Grandpa Spade took his own life because his spirit got broken, hoping to cheer Thomas up. Ace gives him a Georgia Bulldog blanket after it got destroyed in the fire. Uh, Ace goes downstairs to the basement. Jack thanks Ace for giving up his bed for Thomas while Ace sleeps in the basement with Jack who is watching OTWL footage. Jack tells Ace how he recently cut a promo challenging The Rock. Yes, The Rock. The Rock. Rock. He hoped it would get shared on social media, but it didn't quite work out that way. Ace says, kind of like the nerdy kid who invited Taylor Swift to go to the prom with him, right? Jack says yes. Ace says how, che how cheesy the old footage of Wild Bill and Tom Spade doing old promos were. Jack quips. It was innovative. They were innovators. Now it's been done to death. Ace remarks how Gully's promos are more cinematic, but Jack isn't interested in his input, shutting Ace down, leaving the question, if you have to be an asshole to be a heel. Jack asks if Ace is really asking or is he calling him an asshole. Jack explains that one is not reliant on the other. To be a heel, he simply needs to be able to take the heat and separate work from life. Jack then gives Ace a chance to help with the promo. Uh, while Bill gets a call from his boss Maria, who reveals that he's been let go from the company, he says 
that Jack, uh, just about the most insincere thing he heard in his life, and pouts as he crosses his arms in the bathroom. What is up? This is Fuck It, Let's Talk with your host, Christine. Monthly, I'll be here to discuss the ups and woes of parenting and explore topics with other parents or not parents in hopes of finding a little sanity. Just a warning, the keyword here is puke. Eventually, you'll get it. So come join me where we explore honest takes on parenting and life. Don't forget to follow on Spotify or subscribe wherever else the podcast is available. Be sure to check out the polls on Anchor, where you can also show some support if it tickles your fancy. And if you want more, head on over to the newsletter, F It Let's Talk on WordPress. I look forward to curse chatting with you. Fuck it. Let's talk. listening to Mama Murdered a Podcast. I'm your host, A.B. Mama Murdered a Podcast is a podcast where me, the mama, will be killing it on the podcast. We taking a deep dive into things that are hard to talk about and even harder to believe that these things actually happen in the world that we live in. This entire podcast will be a trigger warning. I'll be talking about triggering topics while I dive headfirst into a lot of the cases that I'll be covering. New episodes will be released every week on Wednesdays because... Well, because nobody likes Mondays and because Fridays are for day drinking and barbecues. Some of the case topics will be murder, of course, serial killers like Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, missing persons cases like five-year-old Summer Wells who vanished from her own yard in broad daylight in the middle of June in Tennessee in 2021, and especially the ones where it kind of seems like they just vanished into thin air, like Brian Schaefer. He walked into a bar, but he never walked out. He's still never been seen again. I'll also be covering cold cases and lesser-known cases. Join me every Wednesday to talk about all things tragic, murder, and things that happen in the down right ugliest sides of society. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, you can rate me on Spotify. You can also leave a review and rating on Apple Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at murdered underscore mama. All of these things are free and they only take about a second to do and it really does help grow the podcast. If you have any case suggestions, please send them my way. You can send them to the email address mamamurderedapodcast at gmail.com. The next scene, the next day, Crystal's catching a potential costume for herself with the Duffy Championship being held up high in the air. Bobby arrives at Crystal's with his costume and is excited that she has a trampoline that is perfect for practicing how to wrestle. He gets to the bathroom to try on the costume. Bobby tells Crystal that he intends to tell Jack and Willie that she helped his gimmick. But Crystal insists that he doesn't as she's just a ballet and she needs to fly low for the time being. While Bobby will respect her wishes to him, she's more than a ballet. She's super smart and talented. Yeah, the people at the top may not see it, but they do. If anything, she deserves a push. Bobby puts on a white furry mid coat and poses for Crystal with his white and pink trunk that read Bobby85 on his behind. Crystal then comes to the realization that he should just stick to being Bobby Pin, who is a good guy by her account. They both then get a text from Jack that they're shooting a promo. The DWL films their first promo at the gas station, where Crystal works as a cashier, a role that she maintains even in the promo as Bobby is blindsided by Ace, fresh off his heel turn. Ace says, will you look what the cat puked out of her gizzard? A fight breaks out between the two and around a lot. They both end up on the bed of a truck, which is going inside the car wash, and they continue to fight each other as the camera catches their squabble, which ends with Jack knocking them both to the ground and telling them both if they got to score to settle, they got to do it in the ring, and whoever wins gets a shot at the DWL championship. The camera zooms in and on the belt that Jack has around his waist, and he yells, Cut! After shooting the promo, Willie asks Bobby if that's his new gimmick. Bobby says, yes, he's just a regular guy. Jack approves and says he's the man of the people. Ace says he can do that promo again if you want. 
Crystal says they're paying her to close down for an hour, so why not? Ace asks Jack if he if cats have gizzards. Rooster says, hell no, cats don't have gizzards. It's him, Diego, and Pac make fun of him, but tell him to blow his dry his hair and put some moves on. Jack laughs and tells Ace that it sounds good. Keep it in. After a few more takes and recordings for another hour, Ace pulls Crystal to the side and says that she did great. He asks if she wants to celebrate their first cinematic promo, but she asks to get back to work. Ace practically pushed her to the side and told her he's not with her anymore. So, plus, after Ace takes Crystal to the side, you saw the look on the boys' faces, especially when Rooster looked at Bobby. It's almost as if Rooster knows Bobby's flirting with Crystal and something's going on there, and the fact that Ace is trying to talk to her again. And then after Ace leaves, she seems unsure of him and annoyed that he never apologized to her for being an asshole in the last episode. He leaves and she goes back to hanging out with the boys, especially the way Bobby looks at her when she goes to him. Next scene, Stacy apologizes to Carol for what happened the other night at dinner. She's presumably under a lot of stress with Tom's death anniversary coming up, but Carol would prefer not to talk about it, though Stacy wants to know how she feels. As she and Carol have never really talked much, despite Stacy and Jack having been married for nine years. Stacy asks, Stacy tells Carol she ever needs to talk about anything, she is there. We again get into the mental health aspect of the show. Her husband unalived himself and he left her without doing much, so how does she feel? Carol reveals that Tom let her, never let her drive, not even to the store, and when she gets into a car now, she barely knows what to do. She's admittedly scared and just lets Ace take her everywhere. She occasionally sings about that and gets so angry, which is why she sometimes says things. She finds that anger is more useful than grief. Stacy says she understands and felt. Carol says that no one can step into her loss for her and is the reason why talking about the past makes her so mad. Carol snaps out of her trance and tells Stacy she better get going or she's going to be late. Stacy hugs Carol, which is what she probably needed. As Stacy walks away, Carol lets out a huge sigh of relief. Willie finds Wild Bill peeing in the lake later that night, where he reveals to her that he was fired. He overheard Ted and Robin talking about the promo and questions why they didn't come to him, but Jack doesn't want to be anywhere near Bill. He accuses Jack of being the reasons Tom killed himself. Willie gives Bill an ugly stare. While Bill is drunk again and he's talking, so of course. He asks Willie if he fucked up his business relationship with Jack like he fucked up his whole life up. He sees her looking down her nose at him. He tells her... He tells Willie her life ain't all that perfect. He then goes Willie into a fight, calling Ted a wiener, asking if Ted knows Bill used to tag his wife and still allows him in his home. And saying that it's too bad he wasn't around to pay for Robin's abortion. In a fit of rage, Willie attacks Bill and he stops her from hitting him. But acts like he's about to punch her and fakes it. He tells her she didn't move and laughs. She's taken hits before. And if this was a relationship, then Bill must have abused Willie before. She walks away, heading to the house, Will. Bill says this is why she's the greatest. The following morning, Tess has grown all thrown out. All of Bill's belongings outside the house and onto the driveway, telling him that he can book a hotel by interstate where they have rooms, free breakfast, and all the syrup he can eat. Later that night, Ace arrived at Crystal's to find Bobby and Crystal jumping on the trampoline outside of her trailer, though he remains hidden behind the parked cars, acting like a jealous ex, and lurking as Crystal gets on top of Bobby and pins him. Later that night, on his way to the car, he asked Crystal when she would like to get some ice cream. But she doesn't think it would be a good idea for them to be seen too often in public, considering that she's Ace's valet and he's Ace's rival. He arrived at his truck to discover that his car been keyed, though he isn't too upset, surprisingly. Crystal looks around to see if anyone's around looking, but she might have an idea who it might have been. Next scene, Ace is in the back porch drinking a beer and looking out into the distance at 
the mess he just made. Carol joins Ace and tells him not to wallow in his foul mood, as his father did the same before taking his own life. Ace tells Carol his dad was mixed up and checked out. While he may have taken his own life, Ace says that his father isn't in hell. He then tells his mom that Judas betrayed the Lord. His dad wasn't Judas. He's sure God must have known that. He then reveals how often he hears the gunshots in his head. Despite it being nearly a year since his death, Ace can't stop sleep. Ace can't sleep without playing music as he hears the gunshots when it's too quiet. Carol tells him to separate himself from the sadness, but Ace would rather listen to it and sort through it. He noticed that his mother stopped smiling long before his dad killed himself and suggests that she look into why that is. Maybe she'll be happy again. Stacy calls Jack and asks about his day. She then tells him that she got a part-time job at the grocery store. Stacy thinks back to Carol and she doesn't want sewing costumes for the DWL to be the only thing she is good at. Stacy also wants to go back to school eventually, but in the meantime, she needs something to occupy her time. So Jack supports her in her attempt to find happiness. Next scene, Ace has sex with Trisha after he tells her about how his dad used to always tell him to hold it together. However, she doesn't seem much interested in what he has to say and ask if he wants to go again. He says yes, and they do. Black Eye by Uncle Tupelo plays through the ending for the episode, and we see Jack visit Wild Bill at his hotel room to tell him to leave Ace alone. But when he finds him at the ice machine in complete misery, Jack simply leaves. Bill spends another night getting drunk. He gets onto the roof of the motel, jumps up and down, and yells while the camera zooms out to reveal all the lights being turned on from all the commotion. Plus... Him yelling this. Fuck yeah. I'm Wild Bill Hancock. And I am here. I am alive. Wake the fuck up, y'all. Who wants to play? Who wants to play? Who wants to play the Wild Bill? And the scene fades to black to play the credits. There's no point in doing the rating system when I'm the only one doing them. So I'll just tell you what I saw of the episode instead and my take on three specific scenes. Uh, first, Wild Bill's very centric arc of working for a major company, getting drunk, and still not accepting rehab as his major problem because he has a major problem and he's not admitting it. He gets fired and then continues to take out on the people around him. Willie told Jack that the sex was good, but there was something going on, on there. And that something else you saw when Wild Bill fake punched Willie and he saw that she didn't move. My take on that is that they were in an abusive relationship and that's how it ended as well. Uh, Jack told Ace not to take the heel aspect of his persona home and this is what he meant by that. Wild Bill acting like a heel even as he was drunk. Second, Ace drove up to Crystal's with his music blaring and neither Crystal or Bobby heard any of it while they were playing around on the trampoline. Weird. And if Ace was the one that keyed Bobby's car, you're telling me they couldn't hear it? Ace even slammed the toilet to his car, so he too has a lot of, to work on. If something doesn't go his way, he just moves along. Crystal told Bobby they don't they shouldn't hang around with each other because they would look right, saying that she's a valet of a heel and Bobby is a face. This again reminds me of that time Hacksaw Jim Duggan, a face, and the Iron Sheik, the biggest heel, were road tripping and was stopped by the police for smoking weed together. And third, Jack trying to keep it together throughout this whole episode, his argument with Eddie and Annie Earl about being sponsored and getting back up for his website, his house being on fire moving to his mom's house for a bit and still having to work while his own mom thinks that his dad's burning in hell for what he did to himself. Also making sure Wild Bill never comes around his family or any of his people. Again, he's a protector. He, you can tell right away he's trying to protect his family. Uh, the fire, he doesn't want to hear his mom say that his dad's in hell. He leaves. And again, with Wild Bill, like, he, if Wild Bill wasn't out there looking 
like in complete misery, he probably would have told him something or punched him in the face. Uh, it was a great episode. I enjoyed it. Watched it various times. I loved the fun aspect of shooting the promo, and it's where everyone had fun doing it. So, there's that. I hope you enjoyed it also. That's going to do it for this episode. I'm still going to talk about the show and future episodes. Um, wrestling related. As always, follow us on our socials and support us. From Under the Apron on Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, The Threads. Apron underscore stories on the app formerly known as Twitter X. More info on the links where we can listen or watch in the show notes. Listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or any other media you can listen to podcasts on. Make sure to rate us and leave us a review. And if you feel you want to do a little bit more, tiny bit more, go to patreon.com forward slash from the Apron podcast. Support us on the Patreon. Become a top tier patron and get patron privileges. And I will shout you out at the end of every episode. Like... Babble B, Menace Smiling, Stephanie M, Dark Fate Creations. Check out darkfatecreations.com for all your fancy candle needs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jolene, Seizure Queen, Purple Haze 94, Brenda Lamore 1, Zach W. Change his name to AW, I get it. Not going to mean anything for a while. Rowena, the Queen of Persia, OMG is Rent, Jay Wilder, OGSPG, Hydrange of Water, The Grunge Witch. Hannah Time, Messenger of Stupidity, my favorite DJ, DJ Aaron, The Wee Daddy, Rabbit Orlando, Collector of All Things Sentimental, Philly Millie, Cloudy November from the No is a Sentence podcast. Check out that podcast. Turtle Boy Flores, Happy Sheep Blog, Celestial Moon Goddess, Dude 4, Sippy Hippie, Strawberry Chaotic, Lady Dabigail, Fool Hard Earth, Cookie Monster, Kalani, Ugly Hag on the Rag, Swifty Ever After, Lust for Life, Mermaid Kisses, Art Goblin 666, Nikki Hartwell, Scorpion Deathlock, Just Another Dude, Tumble in the Jungle, Shamika with one E, Jabroni Baloney, Lucid Dream 619, Hey, it's User, MF Demo, HCakes 25, Two Hearts Intertwined, Dash, Keefed Fairy, Agent Smith, Son of a teacher man. The only love that could ever reach me was a ton of a teacher man. Yes, he was. Mighty Sovereign. Spiral 666. Alipat. Amir Kazim. Swampy the Shine Stone Sprite 444. Beth Entrepreneur. I am Garrett, the last Jedi. The Office of the Commissioner. Switzings. Monier's Ruin. And Lily Linguini. Thank you guys for supporting this podcast, patreon.com, or slash from the Apron Podcast. Get your name shouted out. Support the podcast. Check out the show notes for links to other podcast trailers that you heard on this episode. Send us a message of your favorite wrestling stories, questions, comments, ratings, or requests at our email. It is from under the apron at gmail.com. Thank you for joining, listening, staying the gift, and being a huge part of this community. Tell your friends, join us next time for more stories, movies, and TV show reviews like Heels, as well as wrestling related stories when we come to you from Under the Apron. Stay wet! <laughs>